Let's pray in, in preparation for the preaching of the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the chance to to, um, to share your your word with these folks, to to preach your gospel, to to unpack the treasures that you've given us in in um, in the scriptures. And I, I I thank you for the opportunity just to be the person who who shares with this with folks. And and Lord, I pray that you would help me to get out of the way as I do it. Um, I pray that your word would, would do all the talking, that your spirit would move, um, that anything that's from Eric or anything that's from from my own um, um, agenda or mistakes or whatever, like Lord, that you would just take that out of the way and that folks would only hear from you this morning. And I pray that you'd be with the people who are here, help them to hear from you. I pray that their hearts would be fertile soil um, for the, the seeds that are planted and that, that we would grow in salvation and in Christ-likeness and, and Lord, I pray that you would just bless this assembly, bless this time, help us to be your people. In Christ's name, amen. So, um, my wife and I, uh, my wife actually, we we have very different TV viewing preferences. Um, And one of the things my wife really enjoys that I cannot make myself like is, is baking and cooking shows. And, and it is to the degree that sometimes they will come on and I have to leave the room because I find baking shows so irritating. Um, there is, however, one baking show that I really enjoy. Actually, I take that back. Like, it's one and a quarter. Um, they, they do those shows where they make really elaborate cakes. You know, you have 12 hours to make a cake. And then they get done. And there's that, like, 45 seconds where they pick up this 8-foot-tall cake and move it to a table for display. That's the best part of that show, because every once in a while they drop it, and that, you know. But, but the, the baking show that I like watching with her is on Netflix. It's called Nailed It. Have you guys watched this? Oh, it's fantastic. It is, it is people who don't know how to bake, who don't understand the basics of baking, who then are given incredibly difficult and elaborate projects to accomplish, and it's always a train wreck. Like, like, and so they, you know, they don't know the right ingredients or they don't know how to do fondant. I can't believe I know what fondant is, except that I also know it doesn't taste good. Um, they don't know how to make their cream right. They don't know how to carve cake into anything. And who in their right mind knows how to do that? But like at the end, they get done with their cake and it is a disaster, right? And there's this perfect version of it, right? Like this, you know, look, it's all the kids from the Brady Bunch made in cake and it looks just like them. And, and then this version that looks like somebody dropped their cake, you know, and it, it's just a disaster. And, and so the reason I'm talking about this, what does this have to do with Peter? Um, we're working our way through the household codes right now. And, and I was really excited about preaching Peter because I haven't preached through Peter's epistles since I've been a, a pastor. I was like, oh, I'm going to do these now. It is time to do them. I'm excited. And I'd forgotten these codes are really hard. Okay. And most people who preach these are like the nailed it bakers, right? They they bring out this this version of it, and it is a it is a train wreck. And you look at it and you say, well, that's not what the passage is saying, or that's not what's going on here, and you're sort of missing the point. Um, last week, last week and this week are the two big ones, right? Um, this week we're going to be talking about wives. Next week we'll talk about husbands. Um, but this is one of those scripture verses that if you if you read it with an agenda, you are not going to get what Peter's talking about. Okay, if you come at it incorrectly, you will destroy 
the amazing message that is built into this passage. Like, and it is an amazing thing. Like, it is a blessing to understand it. Um, historically, this passage has been used in some really nasty ways. And in some ways that, that have harbored um, uh, or have allowed some really like, bad behavior to take place. I, I, uh, I've known women who um, were married to very awful men who are abusive or controlling or whatever, and like pastors will pull out this passage as, oh, yes, but. And the reality is that that's wrong, okay? And, and we're going to look at what this passage is talking about, um, and I want to make it very clear, this is not about allowing husbands to control their wives. Do you understand that? Men in the room, do you understand? You do not get to control your wife, Okay. That is not the spirit of what is going on in this text. Last week, we, we, the previous section was about um, how slaves are supposed to interact with their masters. And historically, that passage has been used as a defense of slavery. And in reality, it's not. Um, and in this one, it's sometimes the case that people have taken this passage and said, oh, yeah, this means wives have to and husbands can do whatever they want. Wives are forced to. And that's just not what the passage is saying. Okay. And I want to be very, very, very clear up front. Um, this is not a passage that like says, hey, wives, you get to be stepped on. Hey, wives, you're third-class citizens in your home. Hey, wives, this is just not what it's talking about. You all with me? Hey, do I need to clarify that any further? <laughs> all right. So the target audience in the culture here. Um, we've talked about this a little bit, but it's important as we relate to this. Um, it is probably the case that a lot of the early con- converts to Christianity were women, right? And so there are a lot of women who are reading this, and consequently, there's a little more in the women's section of the passage than there is in the men's section, right? Um, we see Paul flip that on its head in spots, you know, where there's more about men than women because we're more male readers. Um, in this instance, there's probably more female readers, and so there's a little more explanation um, because it was a more felt need. Um, in addition, so I, I have a few friends around the country that are from, like, really colorful church backgrounds where this passage and some like it have been used to to create a culture where women are kind of mistreated or put in a, in a funny position. And, and they'll say, oh, well, look, this is a really, like, old-school way. And this is a way, like, the culture that's being written to in Asia Minor was um, largely Greek. And it's one of the cultures where women had more rights than any other part of the world at the time. And Peter, like a, like a Jew, right, from, from Israel, his background would have been very different. He's writing to people who gave women a lot more freedom. They were allowed to own property in this culture. They were allowed to hold public office. They were allowed to, like, run businesses, um, et cetera. I mean, there were all kinds of rights afforded to women. And he doesn't tell them, go to the Jewish way. He says, hey, be aware of the culture around you. But he doesn't, like, correct any of that. And there's actually an indication that where Peter is writing from, well, no, it's not an indication. It's just the case. Rome, where Peter lives and is writing this, gave women even more rights. Um, and the, generally the, the, the trend in Scripture is women are treated with more rights, they're more respect, like progressively, more and more and more and more. And it's a big deal to understand that. Um, so, so far in his book, 
in this household code, which is an old-school Greek way of doing things. Like Greeks would have these household codes, and you would memorize them, and you would recite them, so you would remember what the understandings and the standards and the rules were for you as a person. So husbands, this is your job, and you would memorize it, and when it came time to say, what's my job, you would repeat it, and oh, this is my job. Um, and it was a very common form of literature. And so we get to this wife thing. And so far, we've talked about the government. We've talked about slavery. And now we're talking about wives. This is the worst, hardest, <laughs> most uncomfortable set of scripture passages to preach ever. Um, but the recurring theme that Peter plays out is, watch this. You are Jesus' representative. You are Jesus' man or woman on the spot. Your job is to be Jesus in all of these situations. Your job is to carry the gospel like an ambassador, bringing the gospel into the world. So when he says, hey, when you deal with the government, you know, be subject to the government. He's not saying let the government control everything about your life. He's saying act like you're visiting a foreign country because you are. Like you're not from this world. You're a royal priesthood. You are a chosen people. You are holy. You are set apart. Um, and, and that's the attitude in approaching this. And so we're going to dive in, and I'm going to uh, hope really hard I don't say something stupid and bring you a nailed-it cake. Got it? So be patient with me. Um, one of the people, actually there are a few people in the church who bake, um, Anne bakes really nice cakes, and, and uh, Mary bakes really nice cakes, and I'm hoping to bring a, a cake like that, okay, <laughs> and not a standard Eric cake. <laughs> um, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives. Now, the word subject here um, means to stand in a military order. It's like a, it's like a military term. And so, like, if I am a GI in God's army and there's a general who I'm talking to, um, the general is going to have a lot of authority over me, right? Um, in God's army, the general is Jesus. You all with me? And so Jesus has specific commands for me. Now, I may have a captain who commands me or a sergeant that commands me, and if that sergeant contradicts the general, who do I follow? I follow the general, right? Um, this is not an instruction to do whatever and, you know, make sure your husband always has a sandwich on his lap when he's watching the Super Bowl or whatever. I'm mean, like, it's just not that. It is an instruction to operate in, like, a culturally understood chain of command. Like, be subject, meaning, like, operate in a way that, like, you show respect. Um, so that if some do not obey the word, meaning a lot of these women were married to men who are not believers, and part of the objective in doing this, and he says, be subject so that, meaning the reason that we do this is so that we can show Jesus to folks who don't know him. Y'all with me? Um, there are folks in the world who, um, where the wives go to church, and actually statistically that is the norm, right? It is far, like the most statistically common combination for church attendance is a wife who brings the children and a husband who sleeps in. It's just our culture now, um, which is not ideal. I'm going to say it. I don't think it is. I think husbands should be responsible, and we should, we should act like men and all that, but like, like statistically. And so in this culture, a lot of women had stepped away from the family practice and were going to Christian churches, right? And Peter's saying to them, hey, you're an ambassador. 
You're a representative. Act like a representative of Christ because in acting like a representative of Christ, you can bring people to the faith. Um, I, I have known, actually my father-in-law is a good example of this, and, and I, I'm going to say nice things about him, so I'm going to hope he is not listening. Um, my father-in-law is one of those guys that he will work in jobs and he will, he will bend over sideways to look like Jesus to everyone he deals with. And people who are nasty and foul-mouthed, he will treat them like Christ would treat them. He is loving. He is patient. He is not a doormat. Um, even when sometimes you wish he would be. Um, but he is a person who acts like Christ. He serves people when they need to be served, but he doesn't let folks step on him. Like, this is what he's talking about. And so when we deal with a husband who is not a believer, Peter is saying, act like Christ so they see him. Be the gospel to these people. This is the purpose of this. The purpose, by the way, I'm going to point out some things Peter does not mention. Peter does not say, be subject to your own husbands because that's your role in life because you're just a woman. Right? That's the nailed it cake. Right? That is not right. He's saying, be a representative of Christ because he is your boss. He is your master. That is where, like, your allegiance lies. And so... In doing so, you can win them without word by conduct of their, you know, by conduct. Like, so the way you act will show them who Christ is. Um, there's another kind of element to this that's easy to miss if you're not, like, culturally aware. In the first century, the husband would generally decide all sorts of things about the, the family faith. And so, like, um, there's a story of Paul converting a jailer in Philippi, I think. I might be wrong. It might be in Ephesus. Um, but Paul converts this jailer, and when the jailer converts, he turns around and tells the family, we're all Christians now. And so the whole family converts, because that's how it worked. The husband made the decision, and everybody in the family followed along. These are women who are going to the church. They're participating in the body of Christ, but their husbands are not. And so this would be seen as a huge act of disobedience and rebellion, right? Peter is not saying, obey. He's saying, Follow Jesus, follow Jesus, follow Jesus. And as you are following Christ, um, don't kick the anthill any more than you need to, right? And there's some practical stuff there. Because if the husband sees the wife go into this church and he says, oh, wait a minute, I don't like this. And then all of a sudden she becomes very like difficult and fights with them all the time. He might see the church as something that is a problem. And that's not the objective because we're representatives. We are supposed to show folks who Christ is. We're supposed to love people like Jesus loved them. We're supposed to serve them like Christ served them. Um, we're supposed to point people to the gospel. Um, that does not mean that we put up with nonsense. It doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be mistreated. It doesn't mean any of that. It means that we act like Christ when the time to act like Christ shows up. And that's where Peter's at. Wow, that's a lot for verse 1. Let's see if we can make it, make it a little faster now. <laughs> When they see your respectful and pure conduct. So actually, verse 2 is short here. Um, Maybe one without a word by the conduct of their wives. When they see your respectful and pure conduct. Respectful, um, it's easy to see this as a lot of things. Respectful literally means respectful. Uh, There was a big controversy this week. And it was one of the dumbest things I've seen in recent years. Where somebody dug up a video of uh, the poet laureate, uh, Maya Angelou from the 90s. You all know who she is, right? Um, 
where she was doing some talk show and some young lady stood up and called her by her first name. And she interrupted this young lady and said, no, you call me Dr. Angelou. My name is Maya, but you don't call me Maya. You talk to me respectfully. And it is a completely appropriate thing. And there were a bunch of these folks who found this video and said, oh, we should destroy this woman's credibility because look at how disrespectful she was. Well, no. She said, doctor, and that's her name, and that's how you refer to people, right? My children, when they talk to Anne, they do not call her Anne. They call her Miss Anne, right? When they talk to Rebecca, they call her Miss Rebecca. If Anne wanted them to call her Mrs. Bits, they would do that because that's respectful. Um, Peter is saying, hey, interact with them in a way that, like, treats them with respect, which is a basic thing. And pure conduct. The word pure here means holy and set apart. It means be an example of who Christ calls you to be. Um, it means um, don't undermine him. Don't gossip. Don't do these things. Present yourself in a way like you're a perfect representative of Christ, like you are a holy priesthood, like you are a chosen nation, like you are set apart for greater things, because you are. Um, because wives, Peter would probably, I'm going to extrapolate here, wives, Christ died for you. And Christ died to make you this person act like it. Act like the person that Christ has made you into. This beautiful child of God, this child of the king. Like, that is amazing. Um, act like it. And the same applies to husbands, by the way. Um, I'm going to back up here real quick. This passage started with likewise, right? What does that tell us? Just like the previous one, right? Which, oddly enough, the previous one, the one about slavery, says likewise at the very beginning, talking about being obedient to the government. And then actually, if you take a step forward, the next one is husbands, and it begins with, anybody want to guess? Likewise, meaning all of you, husbands, wives, employees, servants, slaves, in this case, I, you know, it just is what it is. Um, members of a nation act like Jesus's representatives. Act like Christ. You don't get an out. You act like Jesus. That is it. That is your primary responsibility. So moving forward, he says, listen, act like Christ. And in acting like Christ, show people what the gospel is. Show people who Christ is. Um, I worked in a restaurant a hundred years ago, waiting tables. Not a hundred years ago. I'm not quite that old. Um, it was like 50. Um, and I, uh, I was brand new. It was like my first week. And we had all this side work we were supposed to do. Like, oh, during your shift, you should do this job and this job and this job. And you would be assigned a specific set of duties. And I couldn't remember them because it was my first week and I am really flaky. And I asked one of the other guys. I said, hey. I have this station. What do I do? And he explained it all out to me, and he gave me half of his work to do, too. He lied to me. And I knew right away, because I'm not real bright, but I'm not that dumb. And I backed up, and I thought about it a minute, and I was like, well, do I talk to the boss? Do I just not do his work? And in the end, I, I prayed about it for a minute, and then I just did all his work. Like, I did all of it. Like, I, I figured out, like, I sat down with a chart, and I figured out what all of his job was, and I did his whole job so he'd go home early. And as I was, you know, back to waiting tables, he asked me, hey, did you do your stuff? And I said, yeah, and I did the rest of the stuff that you didn't tell me to do because I know you told me to do part of your work. But that's all right. It seems like you're busy. 
I'm here to help you out. Christ once said that if you serve people who mistreat you, it's like pouring, heaping coal, like heaping burning coals on their head. Um, And it's amazing how nice that guy was to me for the rest of the time I worked there. Um, I could have done a lot of things, but I acted like a representative of Christ, right? Because that was my job. Um, For years, when I was a drunk and a nasty, like, jerk, my wife loved me and stood by me, even though I didn't deserve it, right? She showed me Christ and was eventually, like, one of the most important parts of making my life not horrible. Um, Because she nailed this. Now, you talk to my wife, she ain't a pushover. Um, But she nailed it. She did it exactly right. And in her witness to me, it changed my life. Um, Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair, the putting on of gold jewelry, or uh, or the clothing you wear. But let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Now watch this. I, uh, I know some, again, my fundamentalist friends where they'll say, oh, well, women should never braid their hair because Peter forbids it. That's a nailed it interpretation. Got it? <laughs> like this is the collapsed cake, you know, that somebody just threw frosting at. That is not what the passage is saying. Peter is saying, listen, it's easy to back up and think of all of your external stuff as the most important thing. But what makes, what makes you truly beautiful is Christ in you changing your heart and soul. You can make your clothes look nice. You can wear fancy jewelry. You can do your hair. But ultimately, a truly beautiful daughter of the creator of the universe is somebody whose spirit represents him. Right? Is somebody whose spirit reflects who he is. Does that mean wives should never dress nice? Absolutely not. I like it when my wife dresses up. Right? That makes me very happy. Like, I I think she is a beautiful woman, and I love it when she lives that out, and I think it's a good thing. Um, Peter is not forbidding nice clothes. Instead, he's saying, don't worry about this too much. Let the real beauty be the hidden person of the heart. Imperishable. The word imperishable here is is heavy, right? Like this is not a small word. Um, we are told of imperishable in terms of heaven. Got it? Like let who you are inside be a reflection of heaven kind of thing. Imperishable is a word used associated with that, associated with the treasures that God gives man. Like like Like, this is a thing that is beyond what this world deserves. A gentle and quiet spirit. Um, uh, I'm going to be really careful in how I talk about this. Um, A gentle and quiet spirit. Anybody, let me use this as an example. This is many years ago. I'm going to talk about myself now, even though I'm not a wife. Um, Many years ago... um, I was very quick-tempered. Is that is that fair, Jessica? And if somebody if said if somebody said something I didn't like, I would often yell. Um, if I felt insecure, I would brag about something I had done. If I saw something that annoyed me a little bit, you would hear about it for about an hour, right, or more. <laughs> um, a gentle and quiet spirit is the opposite of that, right? Um, it's sometimes very easy um, 
it is sometimes very easy to hear something that makes you unhappy and to lash out or to constantly like complain or to gossip or to um, the immediate response is to dig in and, and be sassy. Sassy is maybe not the right word, but it felt nicer than the right word probably would have been. Um, if the objective is to reflect who God calls us to be, then who you are in your spirit determines who you are on the outside. Like everybody sees these things. And being this person who is gentle and loving and like interacts with folks in a reflection of who Christ is, this is precious in God's sight. This is something that God considers to be of the utmost importance. Um, I'm, I'm playing Twister with this passage a little bit um, because I don't want to... It's easy to read gentle and quiet spirit and say, oh, women shouldn't talk, because that's another thing I've heard people preach out of this passage, which is incorrect. Um, Quiet spirit doesn't mean that. It means not explosive. It means not lashing out. It means not... I I have known men whose wives um, control them by being belittling, and that would be the opposite of this, right? Um, Or who who, you know, you sit down and talk to them and you sort of take a deep breath because you know you're about to hear everything wrong in the entire world. And it's like, uh, or worse, and it kills me when I hear this, everything wrong with my husband. And, I, I mean, sometimes that's appropriate. Like, hey, he is doing this and he is drinking and he's being, and he's doing all this other stuff. That is appropriate to voice that, but it is... He left the socks laying at the foot of the bed. I do that, so I'm just... (laughs) Um, Yeah, but I've been around you with your shoes off, man. Like, that's a much worse sin. For this is how holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves, by submitting to their own husbands. Again, this is standing in an order, right? It is not being enslaved to their husbands. Um, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, um, and you are her children, if you do good and do not fear anything that is, or, and do not fear anything that is frightening. Um, So what, what he's talking about here, he says, listen, um, Sarah obeyed Abraham. Sarah was Abraham's wife, and Sarah put up with a lot, right? Sarah um, traveled from her home when she was really, really old. Sarah had a baby with Abraham when she was like 90, which, oh my goodness. Sarah um, put up with Abraham being dumb over and over again. Sarah put up with Abraham going to sacrifice Isaac. Sarah, I mean, she, she went through a lot with Abraham, and she was loving, and she was wonderful. And this is the example he points to. He says, listen, Sarah moved along with Abraham and operated in conjunction with him and um, was holy in how she dealt with him. Um, I think that Sarah was not a pushover either, actually, because that's um, Isaac. Is it, anybody know what the word Isaac means, what the name Isaac means? Laughter, because an angel shows up and tells Sarah, hey, you're going to have a baby, and she laughed at them. <laughs> she, she is a person of significant strength and maybe pointiness, um, but she operated in a way that was holy. 
she operated in a way that that you know she was a part of the, she was a part of her marriage she was she was you know in this community with her husband and they went through a lot together um sarah obeyed abraham calling him lord the word lord here's another one nailed it right lord means servant right like you know hey you're serving the lord nope lord means sir right Lord means sir, and that means that she talked to him in a way that treated him like he, like he was a person to be respected. I, uh, I have talked to men over the years, nobody in Montana, so I will say that very clearly, but I've talked to men over the years who say, I like going to work because everybody treats me like a man there. When I get home, it is the opposite. Um, wow. Um, that's harsh, Right? Um, but it is really easy to do that. I, it drives, I, I, my wife doesn't do this, but the, sometimes you see this where, where men are, you know, folks act like men are children. Or folks act like men can't tie their own shoes without help. Or like they'd be helpless. I, I joke about that sometimes, you know, like my wife went to Texas and the house caught fire and the kids are wearing plastic bags instead of clothes. And, you know, obviously it didn't go that way, quite that way. Um <laughs> But there's sometimes this attitude of, oh, well, he's worthless. Oh, well, he's stupid. Oh, well, he's, you know, a loser. Oh, well, he's... And and this is sometimes the case. And what Peter's saying is, when you love your husband, love him in a way that treats him respectfully. Because men, we want to be loved. Men, you can object to me saying this. Men want to be loved by their wives, but more than anything, most men want to be respected. They want to be treated like, like adult men. Um, you want to show your husband how amazing you think he is, treat him with respect, and you will see something amazing. Men, treat your wife in a loving way if you want to show her how amazing she is, right? You know, that, that's this funny reality. But men, men want to be treated this way. And Peter's saying, listen, if you're going to witness to your husband, if you're going to show him Jesus, if you're going to be somebody who is preaching the gospel in their actions... Treat them this way. Don't lash out at them. Don't knock them over. Don't, you know, belittle them. Don't do these things. Treat them in a respectful way. Now, the disclaimer here, this is a passage that is literally about preaching the gospel through your marriage. Right? Because boil it all down, and we are people who have been bought by the blood of Christ. And everything that matters in our lives after we belong to Jesus, is about serving Jesus. I have been redeemed by his blood. My sin is huge. I have, I have a special talent for sinning. Um, and yet Christ died for me. And so I have to live like somebody Christ died for. And in my marriage, I have to reflect that. And it is the case, like, in my exchanges with the government and authority, I have to act like that. In my exchanges with my employer, I have to act like somebody who belongs to Jesus, like his servant. Um, And that's what this passage is about. It's not about reinforcing some weird social order from the first century. It's not about making sure women dress the right way. It's not about any of that stuff. This is a passage about represent Christ in everything you do. And that is it. You want to be a great spouse? Be Jesus to the people around you. Next week, we're going to do husbands.
I wanted to make sure I could give the whole time for husbands so that wives aren't like, hey, you mentioned husbands for like 30 seconds at the end. Because um, husbands, you've got a harder job. You do. Um, and you deserve a harder job because you're the husband, right? Act like men. Um, wives, be Christ in your marriage. That's it. Examine your heart. Look at your life. Be Christ in your marriage. We're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to duck out the back so none of the women beat me up on my way to my car. Heavenly Father, above all else, I pray that you would help us to be your representatives. I pray that, that you would help us to be people who preach the gospel, not with words, but with actions, Lord. There's so many folks that look at the church and say the place is full of hypocrites. Look at how these people act. And Lord God, I pray that we would be the kind of body, the kind of family of Jesus, where folks look at us and say, man, I, I, I don't know what this Jesus person is about, but I want that. Um, help us to be, um, help the wives in this congregation when they deal with their husbands, for their husbands to look at them and say, you know what, I want to be closer to Jesus because I see what this looks like. Help us to be your people. Help us to be people who are just people of the word and people of your grace and people of your spirit. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Have a good day, folks.